Hello and welcome to the Working Under Pleasure podcast with me, your host, Lucy Woods. Now, let's face it, guys, if you aren't using your voice and asking for what you want in every area of your life, and that includes in and out of the bedroom, then are you really living your life to your truest potential? So I'm no expert by all means in this department, which is why every week I have a new expert who joins me to share how they vulnerably open up about what they like in the bedroom, out of the bedroom, and how this has a ripple effect on the rest of their lives. This is all about encouraging you to use your voice, speak your truth, and create the life that you want in every single way. So join me each Wednesday. I look forward to having you on the show, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Hello, and welcome to today's episode with the beautiful Hannah Spanky. Very well-suited name. Hannah talks all about her experience as a sex worker. She, at a very young age, joined the industry and spent eight whole years in the industry and where she is now and what she has created through her experiences and through her journey into helping others to fully embody their sexuality, to fully own who they are and where she's heading to next. So, this is one juicy episode and for anyone out there who's always wanted to know what it's like to live a life in that industry, this is a great insight for you. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Sponsored by Personal Life Media, which is a multimedia lifestyle brand providing entertaining and authentic personal content to the more socially conscious aware out there kind of humans preferably adults. For me, I found things like as a single lady, the sex bucket list is a game changer. So all of the links are in the show notes around the different kind of courses, ideas, experiences that you can cultivate in your sex life with yourself and with other people. But for now, enjoy today's episode. Hello, how are you, my darling? Welcome to today's show. I have having me. My absolute pleasure. And for the listeners today, my mic isn't working, so we're hopefully going to be able to have some good sound. Um, but I have the beautiful Hannah Spank. And Hannah, correct me if I pronounce your surname right. Is that how you pronounce your surname? Yeah. Spanky. Spanky, which is a great yeah. surname to have. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so before we kick off, I would love to hear you introduce yourself and what you do in the world for our listeners. So tell us about Hannah Spanky. Cool. Yes. Yeah. The last name for sure um, was a speed bump in my childhood, you could say, but now it's, it's, <laughs> it's a perk because nobody else has it, you know? So it's, if you Google it, you'll find me <laughs> basically. Um <laughs> Yeah. So what I do with my work now, currently I'm a somatic attachment therapist. I work with men, women, and couples, and I'm transitioning more towards women now. I've just kind of had this newly ignited passion for helping women, particularly in the realm of sexual healing, sexual trauma, embodiment, that type of work. Um, I'm a licensed authentic tantra practitioner and a clinical sexologist. And so I love that topic. And just really helping people navigate it because it's such a part of our holistic human nature and it doesn't typically get treated that way. So that's me as oh, far as work goes. 
you just light up when you talk about the, your like where you work and areas and the sexology and the clinical stuff that you do. So oh, I just love it. Um, so just a bit of background and what kind of brought you into kind of heading into you wanting to empower other people in the world of sex? You know, it's an unusual place. What inspired you to get into this area? Yeah, so like a bunch of things come to mind to answer that question, all from kind of like different levels, different angles. Because when I look back on like my whole entire life, I can see the thread starting from a long, long, long time ago. Like I remember being 10 years old and I came across this show on TV. I don't know if it was everywhere in the world, but in in America, at least it was called something I think along the lines of like sex talk with Dr. Sue or sex with Dr. Sue or something. And it was this old lady. She had to be like 70 years old really cute, really funny. And it was like on a reality show kind of TV station, middle of the day, talking about sex. And it was like a phone in conversation where somebody would call in and then she would answer their questions. And I just remember being stunned. Like I had never even kissed anybody at this age, you know, and I was just so like intrigued and wanted to know more. And then that really at like 10 years old started my kind of mental journey, at least of like Googling what is a sex therapist? What do people do like in that industry? And just starting to to get curious. And then things took a bunch of different turns from there. At 16, I actually got into the sex industry myself. And I was in it for almost eight years, about seven and a half years. And I really, some of it dabbled and some of it really hung out in like almost every single area that you could think of in the whole entire industry, stripping, prostitution, escorting. I did porn for a week not my, it was not my favorite part of it, but I mean, yeah. So I did a lot of different things in that industry and I had a number of different things that all kind of cascaded in my life about four and a half years ago that it's what I consider like my spiritual awakening. Um, it was a massive, just like, what's the word, like a whistleblower moment of myself in my own life. It was a very like hard to describe type of chapter for me where everything was just being brought to my awareness for the first time. I was seeing things from a light that I had never seen them before about how I was living my life for the last almost decade at that point and realizing how actually disempowered I was at that point in time after really selling myself on the idea that it was quite the opposite, I believed for a long time that I was so self-empowered doing that kind of work that I was doing. And then it was like the house of cards crumbled. It all fell apart and I could see through the veil finally. And then that really started me on my own personal healing journey. And it just illuminated a lot around how sex and sexuality, which is a piece of every single adult's life, you know, like there's no getting around that. If you are a human on earth, you came from sex, you know, like that's why we're here. And so it really just illuminated to me how, what's the word? Tricky, how tricky, how um, tainted it can become in our lives and how it can be something that we really create suffering from when it doesn't have to be that way. For me, it was in a very specific, unique way, being on that kind of extreme. Most people that I work with are not coming from the sex industry themselves, but you know, maybe they're out at the bar every weekend going home with a different guy, or it's a guy who serial dates and then can't commit, doesn't understand why. And so like 
all of these different ways that sexuality and connection shows up for people in a dysfunctional way, I started to really see it clearly for myself, healing through it, working through it. And then I realized, wow, this is something that we all need help with. And then that really continued me into my work now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank that you. Was for- <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot, but a lot of like exciting. What an exciting life you've had. I mean, that's <laughs> You look so young and so fresh and that you seem to have lived like nine lives. Um, right. So, wow. Okay. So you mentioned obviously the spiritual awakening in your words. Was there a catalyst moment? I know we all talk about this and everyone has their own experience, but when you realize like, this isn't for me anymore, you know, did you have that moment in your life? Yeah. So in short, it was a massive, like maybe my first massive experience of grief. I had lost one family member up until this point, which was a couple years before this, this point that I'm talking about. But because of the way I was living my life, a lot of drinking and a lot of smoking weed, just really dissociated in a lot of ways. I was devastated by it, but it didn't like completely break me in the way that this loss then did. And so going through that, It was the first time I had ever experienced pain that I was aware of. I was experiencing pain and I didn't want to drink or I didn't want to smoke weed. It was like so painful that something shifted. Like I couldn't stand the thought of dissociating from it, if, if, if that makes sense. It's hard to describe, but I was so shattered by this event in my life that it was like inevitably, no matter what, when I came back together, I was going to be different than I was before. And so that was the first, I would say, major catalyst in the kind of cascade of things that happened from there. Oh my gosh. So like throughout those eight years then that you were working in the sex industry, and correct me if that's not the best term to say it, you know, um, did you enjoy any part? Was there any parts that you enjoyed while you were in that industry? Yeah. So I've been asked this question a lot by, by friends, by people in my life on these kinds of conversations. No, it's totally, it's a fair question for sure. And the only thing like digging my deepest in my memory, the only thing that I would ever consider like fun or that I could look back on and be like, Oh, that was a good time was in the very beginning when I worked in the actual strip club, which I worked for about three years in that environment was just the performance aspect of like, it felt like a little mini concert every time you got on the stage, you know, <laughs> so like the performance aspect of it. And the fact that literal fitness was like built into me getting paid and working out all day long. And so I was so fit. I was so fit <laughs> at this time in my life. <laughs> and it was something that was just built into my work that, um, yeah, that, that was really the only thing I could ever think of as far as something that I, enjoyed was was that piece wow which is kind of funny (laughs) or gym membership yoga you were right (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow and did you see yourself at the time like being in that area for like the rest of your life like where did you see yourself going or did you see yourself going anywhere yeah question Yeah. So definitely not. There was like an awareness I had as soon as I started in that kind of an environment where I knew that like, this is obviously something with a time, a time 
limit on, you know, this is not a, a career with longevity. You know, that's why you don't see 50 year old strippers, you know, or older, because it's not a career that can go that way. And so, um, and it wasn't something that I wanted to do, you know, it was always part of me staying in it as long as I did was me telling myself that it was temporary. And so it was something I always saw as temporary. I'm actually not surprised because it's all been part of my path, but a little bit surprised, I guess we could say, at how long it actually was a part of my life because it really was always supposed to be, quote unquote, supposed to be something that was super short term. And then, you know, just like so many other women in that industry, I got caught up in it. And then I stayed and I stayed and I stayed and I stayed. And the one time that I thought that it was going to be something longer term than it than I had originally planned was with that week of porn. I went to Vegas and I had this idea that if I could just like get in the industry and make it big time, that I would do that as fast as possible and then transition out of filming so that then I could have some like porn empire or something like that. So it was always this entrepreneurial drive. I was just doing it in the wrong place. Basically. Wow. Babe, your expansive mind is insane though. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get into porn to build your life, like within a week. Right. Um, <laughs> you decide it wasn't for you then within that short space of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had all these ideas of what it would be like. And then when I actually experienced what it was like, and this was just like a, the tip of the iceberg, you know, because people are in that industry for a long, long time, doing a lot of different things that I didn't experience in that week. But what I did experience and and witness in that week was enough for me to be like, okay, this is a hard, hard, hard no. There's a lot of abuse, a lot of coercion, a lot of just very unhealthy, like power dynamics, a lot of substance abuse. And I was already seeing a lot of that in other environments, like the, the clubs and places like that. But this was just to a completely different extreme. And it was so obvious in my face that week that I was like, okay, this was something I wanted to dip my toe in the water to check it out. And I'm completely clear that I am not coming back. Wow. That takes a lot of courage, you know? And then when you exited the week period in the point did you go back to what you were doing before? Or then you like made yeah. the decision to, wow. And then how far into your yeah. journey did you then decide that you were moving away from this? Yeah, so it was around the seven-year mark. Uh, so the first experience I ever had was at 16. I was very, very young. And then I didn't do anything for a year or two. And then I got into like house stripping where they send people to like bachelor parties and that type of thing. Because I was underage, I was under 18 and I had a fake ID. And so I was able to work for that type of a company because all they needed was an ID. And so did that very briefly. And then once I was actually old enough, I started at a club. I was in the club life. I had like a main home club that that's what you would call it. But I traveled around. I, I worked at different places for about three years. And about halfway through those three years, I started seeing clients privately outside of the club. And then by the time that three years was up, really the environment had just taken a toll on me. The other women that I was working with, the environment itself, the customers, even just the employees, like the DJ and the bouncer, like the the quality of people inside of that building are just not the people that I actually wanted to be around. And so I eventually completely left the club and 
it was like I took my like golden goose egg clients from the club and just saw them outside exclusively from that point on. And that's what I did for the last four, three, four years of, of my time in the industry. And so I always had this knowing that like, okay, this is something that I could stop whenever, but it wasn't until I had this massive like emotional breakdown with the loss that I mentioned and all of these feelings and things coming to the surface for the first time for me that I started to see, oh shit, mentally I've been telling myself I can just stop whenever I want, but it's a lot deeper than that. You know, there's a whole entire belief system that I've accumulated that has kept me here for a certain reason. And I need to work on that if I'm ever going to actually be able to leave sustainably. And so that was about seven ish years in. That was when I started. And it was probably in total, probably about a year before I officially was done. I was making like little tiny baby steps, stop seeing certain types of people, stop doing certain types of things. And then eventually it was like a, a complete closing the door. Wow. And did you know what you wanted to do next? I knew that it was always going to be something entrepreneurial. Like I always knew that, which is funny because I went to college for chemistry. I was a chemistry major in college. I was like on a fast track. Right. I was like on a fast track to medical school. And if I wasn't going to become a surgeon, I was going to run my own business. Like those were the only two options. And so um yeah. <laughs> um, I, I knew it was going to be entrepreneurial. I just didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And then I stumbled upon an event that was about six hours away out of town for me, went to this big city and I was at this event. It was like a seminar kind of a thing about coaching, about the coaching industry. And that was the first time I had ever like been exposed to the industry beyond the idea of like, I know Tony Robbins is a coach, (laughs) you know, like I didn't have any concept of what it actually was as a career for anybody, you know, that was wanting to build a career there. And so I met so many people and it just completely like opened a whole new world for me. I met people that were coaching parents of teen children, helping them rebuild their relationships from having like rough childhood years before that. I was meeting people who were coaching people how to trade in the stock market in Spanish, like all of these wildly unique things. And I was like, wow, like if you have a skill set and you take this seriously and you have the drive and the will and the commitment to help people in that way, like you can just do this, you know? And so I immediately started a business from that. After that weekend, I decided I was going to move to that city. I did end up moving there about six months later. And I started a business and I started coaching men divorced men over 40 who realized that their love lives were not the way that they wanted them to be. They no longer have time on their side and they need to do something different. And it was because I had a very unique understanding of that client, you know, of of why they were stepping outside of their marriages or why they were unfulfilled in their relationships. Why were they chronically single, but had all this success because I was seeing them in the past in a different way, you know? And so closing that door, it opened the door for me to actually help them in a different way. And I did that. And that was my first, my first coaching adventure. (laughs) And I can imagine you were really busy with the clientele that you were dealing with over 40 divorce where you live. Like, did you, did you find there was like a pattern or like a consistency that men are or were going through at that phase of their lives? 
definitely um, a, a handful of consistencies between them. Um, the men that I ended up working with, like the most common type, like archetype of a guy that would come through through my work was the quote unquote nice guy who may have been in a marriage or two or three in the past who had success of some sort, but was always ending up feeling taken advantage of, feeling scorned, feeling like, you know, he, he didn't know why it wasn't going the way it was. And usually it always started with a deep dive of like, they were coming to me for help with dating. And that would be maybe six months down the road that we would get to dating because they needed to do a whole entire like inner restructuring first of why are you giving so much of yourself away in exchange for love or the idea of love and then feeling taken advantage of later? What part of you is wanting to to do that? And just really an inner like healing journey first that they didn't quite expect to, <laughs> to be signing up for. And then it would just naturally, they would be aligned with completely different women and, and be able to connect with women differently and more deep because they were then more connected to themselves instead of just playing the part. And so that was, that was definitely a common thread. Whoa. And so from that transition, then where did you head to next with using your gifts of what you've learned in your past? Yeah. So I, I always had the passion for relationships in general, just like the, the science, the psychology, the, all the moving parts behind connection. But I had a comfort zone built around that niche of men, you know, and so I realized that in order to kind of bridge that gap, I needed to build a comfort zone with women in the same way. And so I launched a women's group coaching program exclusively for women. And it was a five month long group experience. It was so incredibly amazing, different than I ever expected it to be. So tiny backstory. My mom, my parents separated when I was five years old and my mom left the picture at that point. And so I was with my dad for most of my childhood on his own. And so I had my own massive like sisterhood wound, feminine abandonment type of stuff to heal on my own. And so it started to all make sense as I was realizing consciously, I want to work with women. Why haven't I? Why does that feel so scary? Why is that something I've never wanted to do before? When naturally so many other women in the industry around me, they work with women and that's like their first stop on the map, you know, why is it backwards for me? And so that illuminated more for me to work on personally, which was great. And then working with women really, really was a healing experience for me and for them both. And so then once I felt comfortable in that arena, I started working with couples and not just straight couples. I mean, I've worked with plenty of gay and lesbian couples as well, but that opened the door for couples work. And then that was probably about two years ago. And now I work with men, women, privately each. I work with couples together still. And I'm shifting towards women more and more and more every day. Wow. So that is so empowering that you realized and work so closely on your own, like sister wounds and your own female wounds and now that you want to focus more on women like what what is it what why <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so to work with women yeah so it's been like this all this is the most 
real time answer, like the most real time question that that we've gone through so far, where it feels like this is like what I'm actively going through right now in my own mind as I'm saying it out loud to you, is like on the last couple months, I've had massive realizations, massive breakthroughs about my own deep, deep, deeply unconscious because I've never seen it until now of like these little tiny remnants, these little last pieces of, I guess, disempowerment, this kind of like victim story around needing men in some capacity to be able to survive or something like that. Um, Like on the deepest level, believing that. And so I've always had this unconscious drive to just like keep myself available to men. You know, I was raised by a single dad, spent almost a decade in the sex industry where men were the only client. And then that was my intro into the work that I do now. And so the idea of like shutting men out, I finally had the, uh, had a breakthrough a couple months ago, like, oh shit, that's been a thing that I've avoided because of, of all of this deeper stuff around it, you know, this deep seated like dependency almost. And so it just feels like this massive personal shift, like a reclamation almost of like, I am amazing at what I do. I do want to serve women in this way. And it's safe and it's okay for me to want to do that exclusively without needing to keep the door open to anybody other than who I actually really want to work with. Mm. Oh, I've got chills just hearing you say that. Wow. And so now for you, what do you feel like it looks like for Hannah? Like what does this next chapter look like for you in, in your career I hate the word career and your gifts I suppose (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) in my unfolding so it's really a a to be decided kind of a thing right now because there's a massive transition energy in the air I think just in general we're starting spring you know a lot of things are changing but for me personally I'm about to move across the country by myself I am obviously having these shifts around my work just a lot of change is happening. And I'm also at the same time, like deep dive coming from my own personal interest to start, but now it's spilling into my work, deep dive learning about the birth system, like the medicalized birth, medicalized industry around birth and how fucked up it is. (laughs) And so there's like this whole movement around free birth and and really like women like reclaiming their power in birth versus what we're taught you know culturally and you see movies the women's like ah, screaming as she gets rolled into the hospital in a wheelchair like it's this totally disempowering experience that we're raised to have it like to believe that it is but it's absolutely the opposite and so learning about all of the the it's it's really getting me crazy every day like I learn more and more about all the different interventions all the different medical like truly sabotages that take place in a traditional hospital setting or a traditional even midwives at a home birth if they're a licensed regulated medical midwife there's so much intervention and sabotage that's basically the the woman's power is being taken away throughout the entire process of something that is so sacred and by design safe for her body to do you know, and so I don't feel like it's now, like today or tomorrow, but I definitely feel it coming later on this year, some version of birth work and opening, opening myself up to that. So we'll see how that continues to evolve. But 
it, it really feels clear, at least now, that the starting of that will be hosting women's circles, doing like maybe trauma debriefs, helping women work through past birth experience that they've had, educating them and empowering them to rewrite those narratives in a way that they are in their power. And a lot of sexual healing work, um, hands-on in-person body work that I've been trained to do with my Tantra stuff that um, I've never put a big focus on the in-person component, but moving back to where I'm, I'm from, I really want to start to put roots down and build more community and in-person work with women. Oh, oh so good. I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> how disempowering. I've not, I've not had a child, but obviously, yeah. I mean, I've had friends that have children, you know, we've yeah. asked how disempowering that is mm-hmm. the what we're programmed to assume it's incredible because we're su- our bodies yeah. now intuitive we know what to do in so many things but giving birth is like what we're here to do wow and right. then you, right. brought up, you brought up tantra and tantra is like oh, one of my big things as well like for me i really want to bring that into mainstream without losing the sacredness of it and i really believe this right part of me that is here to help bring that into light for you in the tantra space like how do you what do you term tantra as i suppose this first question because a lot of people hear this term floated around and it may seem quite out there but how would you term tantra for you yeah yeah so um i guess kind of two answers on that my what i'm actually trained in is a modality called authentic tantra And what Authentic Tantra is, is a trauma-informed, holistic sexual healing modality rooted in the five element teachings of lineage-based Tibetan Buddhist Tantra. And so those are like the roots that I have studied from. And um, so it is lineage-based. It's not like this neo-Tantra focused on like how to give you better orgasms only type of stuff that I think we see so much in like, if there's anything in the mainstream, that's what it is, you know, and it doesn't have any component of like, the ancient wisdom and history and healing power and and all of that. And so for me personally, what it means to me is it's, it's like a spiritual science that in my own life and now secondarily in the way that I help my clients with it, it's something that reunites us with our holistic nature as human beings, mind, body, spirit, sex, all things are tended to as equally important and integrated in a way that other forms of healing work sometimes doesn't have the space for. Um, wow. For you then, what do you feel like you can bring to your clients when you do the somatic piece, the body work piece that you've mentioned? Because mm-hmm. we don't talk about this enough. Like everyone talks about mindset, which is so important, of course, but it's all, we know, you, you know this, it's all in the body. And yeah, the world's really behind on that a lot like really behind so I'm really happy to hear that you're bringing yeah. that into I I feel strongly too that I want to get involved in that like what does that look like for you I know it's different for every kind of experience but do you have like a process that you like to embody and yeah how do you like to help people from a somatic standpoint yeah so from a somatic standpoint specifically on the sexual side of things when it comes to sexual healing um, like legitimate yoni massage and yoni healing session. So I'm trained in yoni massage as like a practice, but the way that I deliver it to my clients, it's usually this like big thing. It's like a four hour long, four or five hour long private session. I'll walk us through different 
um, conversation pieces to just kind of get acquainted with each other. We'll do some union type of breath work where we're syncing our bodies together, um, movement to drop into the body with that awareness piece that that is why we're doing this movement. Um, I'll guide us through some meditations and ultimately getting onto an actual table and like me doing a full-blown yoni massage and the purpose, it could be for different reasons, healing from sexual trauma, healing from birth trauma, cesarean scars, like different things that are just muffled. You know, they're just like pushed to the side. We just keep on going on with life and it's never truly, truly tended to. And even if trauma isn't like the conscious goal of the session, I find that there's always a massive like clearing and healing experience because especially as women being tended to in a way that doesn't have a sexual agenda, that doesn't have like a goal or there's no expectation. She doesn't need to please anybody in this experience can fully surrender and actually receive something that is meant to be healing and supportive and bringing this yeah, just the breath, touch, and awareness, the somatic piece of bringing this this loving kindness and this loving touch to parts of her body that are so conditioned to be shameful or disregarded or, you know, breeze through really fast and bringing that slowness and that presence and that awareness to to it, I think is just such a, such a special experience for me as the person being like the witness and, and as the receiver. Wow. I mean, I, I've had one yoni massage before and I think it's absolutely game changing, you know, and a lot of people shy away from it as well, because it's such an intimate non for me anyway, sexual experience. I think people can term it maybe as misconstrued and misunderstood. Um, Mm-hmm. But for you, have you seen what are the profound effects that you've seen women that have come out of the kind of yoni massage experience with you that you could you're open to sharing as examples? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely um, physical release, like actual physical um, energetic stagnation, trauma in the actual tissues being released. So on the spectrum of somatic healing, moving from like numbness to pain to irritation to function. And if we're talking about the yoni function being pleasure, moving through that, you know, a woman that may be experiencing numbness or pain or not able to experience penetration because there's that her body is reacting in an unconscious way to like, say like, fuck, no, let's not do that. You know, allowing her to reopen and to become receptive to the pleasure that she's literally designed and wired for. But due to life events or experiences or whatever, um, there's been some blocks, blocks to bliss, I call them like in the way. And so allowing those to physically be purged from the body, um, definitely a lot of mental, emotional release around like shame, conditioning, worthiness is a big piece. The worthiness experience to actually lay down and receive something that's just for you, that you don't have to do anything for, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to there's no there's no piece about it that isn't about you and your wellness and your wholeness and your fulfillment and so I think there's just a massive worthiness like upgrade that happens when a woman does allow herself to be intimately served in that way oh it's so powerful I wish everyone could I wish everyone had access to this everyone could embody it and it was seen as the normal and the standard and 
I know for you, you also are a huge advocate for kind of, in your words, sex education for mm-hmm. for, for women or for that kind of area. Like, do you mind kind of sharing a bit more around how you feel that piece fits into to your work as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even think everybody has the, it's barely a, a, a gift, but the gift of sex ed through high school or something, like not even everybody gets it. But the people who do, I know for me, maybe you can speak to this too. I know for me, my sex ed was some lady from a clinic talking about, this is how you put on a condom. Don't have sex though, because if you do, you'll get STDs and these are what they are. And when you don't want to abstain, come see me and I'll give you pharmaceutical birth control. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. That's it. <laughs> Oh my god, mine was that's it. I was the same. We got taught. Well, we got taught. I went to an all girls school. I went to to a few schools. Uh, One of my all girls because we got taught about periods at a young age. We got taught about how the women's uh body works at a minimal. Like I'm still learning now, like hormones and things. And then yeah, my my mixed school, we got given a banana, yeah, and a condom. And I think it was about half an hour. The whole sex education. Yeah. Right. And then, then we all laughed. And, yeah, we all laughed and we were looking at guys like, oh, like we put that, like, oh, cool. Like it was insane. And then off you go, you know, have yeah. fun. <laughs> Just right. Have fun, but don't. <laughs> yeah, don't. And then if you come to me, I'm probably going to shame you in some way as well and have to let everybody know that there's an STI going around college or school. And yeah, no. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. So it's horrible. It's horrible. it's horrible. And so there's that. And then unfortunately, porn and just pornish things tend to be like people and this number, this statistic on like, would you consider porn your first exposure to like sex education? The number of people that say yes to that continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger as you get younger. And so like, for example, somebody in their 50s or 60s, they might not say yes to that, but somebody in their 20s or even 16 right now in this day and age would more than likely like over 50% say yes to that. And so this like super unfortunate turn of events has porn being like the leading sex education, which it's absolutely not for most young girls and boys. And if, if I can say anything about it, it's that porn is male centric. It is focused on his orgasm. It's focused on the cum shot. It's focused on that. And then everything that she's doing, even if it seems like it's about her pleasure, it's a performance. It's not about her actually being in her body. It's about what does her body do for the show, you know? And so there is this super deeply internalized piece that I see from women that I saw in myself for sure that I have had to work through is like... What am I supposed to sound like? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to move like? I should come. Why am I not coming faster? Why am I like all of these judgments based on performing for their partner, essentially, even though that's not consciously what we're thinking, maybe it is, but it's like such a deep seated thing at this point that there is no, most of the time, no real focus on what is she actually experiencing? What does she actually want? What is she actually feeling? And so that paired with the lack of education about the difference between male and female arousal, because they're massively different and understanding those two things, like it just, I've worked with so many women who are so 
shameful and disempowered and like feel like they're broken in some way or another because they're not achieving these porn type of standards. And then they're like, I just don't even want to have sex anymore. And then all that leads to the relationship problems, you know, and then he takes it personally, thinks he's doing something wrong. And there's just such a fundamental lack of education and awareness about what needs to be happening for both people to be served, I think. So yeah, I could talk on that for like two hours. <laughs> I, 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 I could too. I adore this. I totally get it. It's the whole performative piece. It's like the show pony. Yeah. Trying to look good. But then equally, a guy doesn't know what a guy doesn't know. So it's like these two different people or, or, or two women, two men, whatever gender, if you term yourself as gender, are doing. No one, no one knows. It's kind of like this sort of full circle thing and then I found for me I started Tantra in August and I actually got intimidated around who I wanted to practice it with because it's finding people that are open to it have the patience Mm -hmm. like you said it's not a quick bam bam penetration come right that works and sometimes of course there's nothing wrong with that if you feel you want to do that but Sometimes you can go on for like 12 hours, you know, in the in the Tantra mm-hmm. energy and oh, it's so good. So what would advice would you say to anyone that's listening that's like they want to understand more? They're they're aware, they're in this performative approach. They're a woman, they feel so disempowered, but they don't even know what to do. Like, what would you suggest the first best step for them to make? Or for a guy as well. Sorry. Yeah. Women involved there. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely like the, a simple answer is just paying attention to where is your energy. I know that so many women speaking to the women's side of things that I work with on this topic, it's because they say in their own words, they're stuck in their head. And so like, that is where their energy is. You know, it's not in their body. It's not, it's not in their yoni. It's not in their genitals. It's not where they're feeling sensation. It's where they're narrating what's going on and what's going wrong and what should be going on and why they're not doing it right. And all of this shit. And so bringing that energy back into your body, just by taking some deep breaths, like putting your hand on your stomach, on your diaphragm and taking a breath deep into your stomach so that you can feel, you know, connecting to what you actually feel to bring that energy deeper, deeper, deeper into your body. Because when your energy is circling around in your head, 500 miles an hour, and then you're thinking about the dishes and why you're not coming yet. And like all this stuff, then it's not a surprise that your body isn't, isn't feeling nourished or satisfied by what's going on because it's disconnected. It's unplugged in that moment. And so bringing your awareness back into your body definitely is a number one. And then for men, it's almost the opposite a little bit of like their focus can be more easily, I've noticed, solely on what they're feeling that they may get a little bit disconnected from her and and the the energetic connection. And I know what you're speaking to with the Tantra stuff, like these long drawn out experiences that can't happen if both people aren't attuned to what's going on with the other person. Like you have to be energetically present. And if you're just thinking about, oh, I'm about to come, like you're not as present as you could be, you know? And so again, tapping into your breath, using your breath to soothe your nervous system, to slow things down so that you can be in your body and be present in the room at the same time. Yeah. I think that's such powerful advice. Thank you for sharing that seriously. Like I think for men and women as well, it's um, women's intuition is just everything. And I think when we're out of our body and our heads sexually, 
I mean, our intuition isn't going to be probably very strong in that essence either, potentially mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. So much. So where can we, if anyone's listening, they want to work with you or they want to reach out to you more, where can we find you? And you're moving as well, but where can we find you online, obviously? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, Hannah Spanky, H-A-N-N-A-H, and then S-P-A-N-K-E is my username on pretty much anything you can find me on instagram i would consider instagram like my home on the internet that's where you can stay the most connected to me but also on tiktok um occasionally i pop up there so tiktok instagram and hannahspanky.com as well my website is currently being rebuilt but if you go to hannahspanky.com you can put your name on the emailing list and sign up if you are interested in staying connected and then if you're interested in anything i have coming up I do have a couples retreat coming up in May in Hawaii that I'm very, very excited about. There are four spaces left for couples and of any sexual orientation. And that can be found at hannahsmakey.com slash couples retreat Hawaii in case you want to check that out. Amazing. Well, I'll put everything in the show notes, but I'm excited to, I love Hawaii is so good. I love Hawaii. I love it. I think it's going to Hawaii in May. (laughs) <laughs> it's the it's the time to go it's the time to go honey so it's couples only you can't go as a single person so actually it's funny you ask because this is the first time I've said anything about this to anybody other than oh. in my own head <laughs> um right. it is no no so this is perfectly timed so thank you for asking is what I should have said it is for couples however I'm playing around with the idea right now of like potentially shifting it to something that could be open to singles or adding days onto it to where it'll be like a a couple's focused and then a singles focused, but all in the same time and space and everything. And so it's just a matter of me working out the actual like logistics about it. So if that is to be changed, everything will be announced on my Instagram. So that's the place to just stay the most connected. Wow. Okay. We, I, I could potentially help you that, but we can take that. We can talk about that after. Um, because I've been in a tantra. Cool. It's been couples and singles as well. So, like, yeah. Cool. Um, so the last thing, and I always ask my guests before they leave, what is your one pleasure in life? It can be sexual, non-sexual, but like what is your little guilty pleasure that you have in life? Yeah, so those mean different things to me. My my pleasure, my guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay. Which one do you want to share? You can share both if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I just think pleasure in general, like what's something that just like no matter what gives me joy, brings me pleasure is my kitties, my dog, my animals, animals in general. Like I just I cannot get enough of them. I wish I could just volunteer at the SPCA for like the rest of my life. I love them so much. <laughs> like like the the kind that's like red flagish, like how much I want to talk about my cats and my dog <laughs> to anyone that will listen like I just love them so 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 much and so there's that and then guilty pleasure um you know this is this is different than what I thought I would say but I've sometimes I let myself slip a little bit with my diet every once in a while and hot Cheetos. Oh they're so horrible so horrible you should not eat them but I'll say that's my guilty pleasure. I just love the hot Cheetos every once in a while. <laughs> I'm I'm so English right now, but what is a hot Cheeto? <laughs> it's like 
That is so funny. It's like a, it's a chip. It's a brand yeah. of chips, but they're, they're like, um, really spicy and they have like a bunch of horrible shit in them. Like you shouldn't eat them probably ever, but <laughs> that's like, like my one, like, Oh, nice. They, yeah, they have like, I, I don't even know. I, I know that they're, they're flammable. So I've heard like legitimately, which is probably not the best to ingest. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, hot Cheetos are my, are my weakness every once in a while. <laughs> if it works for you, it works for you. Like whatever, whatever does you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, thank so, so much funny. for joining me today it's been like such a pleasure to have you on and i'll share everything for the audience and the show notes and yeah reach out to hannah she's a beautiful human and doing so many amazing things in the world so thank you for joining me today awesome thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it oh my pleasure honey thank you <laughs> hello my darlings well thank you so much as always for listening to today's show with hannah i I'm sure, like myself, uh, you got many insightful tips and insights into how her life was and how you can be more aware of what you embody in the bedroom and whether it's a performative approach or not and what works for you. So if you feel this episode resonates with you or if there's anyone else that you'd like to share this with then by all means ping over the link and share it with someone that you love and if you have time and would kindly like to write me a little cheeky review so i can have amazing guests on like hannah then i would forever appreciate that and love you for doing that for now i'll speak to you soon take care